Armchair Philosophy Podcast. Uh, joining me today are Zachary Wachowski, Troilus Saint Albans, and as always, I'm Alessandro Reggio, uh, trying to wrangle the troops, as it were. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a uh, pretty philosophical topic. I'd have to say, called knowledge. 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 Yes. Knowledge. It's pronounced in that way. If um, coming from the Latin of no, of no, the the, 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 the Persian. Of precipice, ledge, a ledge, ledge. Uh, from which most people throw themselves off of when they try to define it properly. I, I feel like I feel like we've covered then knowledge very well. I suppose in the podcast now. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. To this um, okay, so yeah, so let's start off with a pretty big question. I think, what is knowledge? How do we can we define knowledge? What is the definition of knowledge? Troilus is uh, pointing at all of us here because he's just. Eating a peanut butter he's cup. He's eating a peanut butter cup, and that's why he's pointing all of it. Zachary, what's your definition of knowledge? I would define knowledge as the idea of consciously and actively pursuing a line of reasoning and an idea that you wish to hammer out, again, in a conscious sense. And this is distinct from instinctual knowledge or a priori knowledge. Oh, which... why don't you just shoot me down now? I, just shoot I might as well. <laughs> Hold on, I mean, we gave you a chance. We gave you a chance, we gave you a chance and you didn't true. take it. So, yes. anyway, so keep anyway. going. So go on. No, I, I think I made my point. Okay. We can go into Troilus now. All right. I, I would argue that knowledge is everything we can understand, everything we can know. That ranges from instinct to mathematics. Anything that... Uh, is both within us and can be induced, is knowledge. I'm not going to say any more, because that's just going to get into the sticky nitty-gritty of it all. Alessandro, please. I would say this. My definition of knowledge is it's pretty bare, and I'm probably going to get a little bit of flack for this. But I think knowledge is anything that's applicable to our lives, in the sense that if I know that somebody in Australia is doing something now... Okay, but that knowledge, piece of knowledge, isn't uh, necessarily conducive to adding to any worth to my life right now. Then it might as well not be knowledge. It might, um, and that person might as well not exist. Mm. So knowledge, to me, a little bit pulling off of the relativist here, something that I can use. It's a, it's a, it's a fact that I can use that I don't, uh, that I don't discount for one, and that I don't uh, give up on either. So it's a it's sort of a balance in between of things that I can use and things that I would like to use. Like love. Like, for instance, love. <laughs> for instance, love. Let's let's say that I that I have knowledge that I love someone. Okay. Now I don't know if any of you have been in love before, but it's a, it's a tricky little thing. It's, uh, it's a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast, unfortunately. Um, no, but but being serious about this, uh, if if you're in love with somebody, you have certain ideas about what those people are. Okay. And then, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be the first one to say that they're probably not the ones that are objectively true about the person, you know? There's no. definitely things that you you give up in terms of understanding objectively what a person is when you're in love. It's just, that's how it is. Unfortunately, though, for us at least, when we are in love, those are the ideas and the facts that we think are indisputable and the ones that we end up using. And, and what we also come to like to... Or at least we would like to think, call knowledge. We like to think, call knowledge, exactly. Yeah. And so that collection of facts, whether when it has to do with the subset of love, at least I would consider knowledge. You know, that's knowledge about the person that I'm with. But at the same time, can't you say that if we don't know this uh, this set of concepts of a person, that we are ultimately imposing 
our own beliefs upon them, and then from that imposition, what we return, or, or what we get in return from such a, well, let us in a Kantian way call it a grid, unpunctually mm-hmm. uh, imposed upon this person, is, is that knowledge? Is, is, is what we receive from our own preconceived notions knowledge? And along the same lines, can we even see any type of knowledge as fact, or is it all just our opinions? I, and, and uh, well, I'd like to, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm agreeing with you or not, I'd like to discern a, or not discern, distinguish uh, a line between what is knowledge and what is fact. I, I ultimately think that there can be two different things, but I saw Alessandro uh, was about to jump on something. So right, well, that, so, yeah, so this thing about knowledge and fact being a separate thing, I mean, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it in a certain different, in, in a... I guess a, a different way. I think than both of you are looking at. And I'm looking at. I'm looking at facts being something that exists outside of ourselves. Okay, so there's yes. there's going to be. Let's go back. Let's let's go to animals, for instance. Okay, okay. animals. To, to animals. animals. I, I love animals and exactly when epistemology. You're gonna take another combined. jab at my instinctualism, aren't you? No, 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 no. Hold on. There's, the there's, day primitivism came crumbling so down. Much, I'm sorry, listen, <laughs> listeners. There's so much that happens outside of the podcast. Oh, there is. But we'll get to it. We'll get to it eventually. Um, the the idea is, I think, or going back to the idea of animals. I love animals and epistemology because they give us such a great set of examples to work with. I'm thinking of this in terms of facts and knowledge. There's going to be, I think, there's going to be a definite form of a giraffe that separates a giraffe from a gazelle. Then there's going to be a definite form of a gazelle. Having said that, my knowledge of what a perfect form of a giraffe is may differ from the actual form of, uh, ah, an objective form of what a giraffe is. Yes, yes. now, now, now you're whistling my tune. Now you're whistling, <laughs> there we go. You see, and so, but, but... I'm looking at it this way. If I never come up with... If I never reach the objective form of a giraffe, mm. or the objective form of a gazelle, yet I am able to differentiate the two based on my own preset beliefs, or even beliefs that... Not necessarily preset. Let's not get into a priority history. Just beliefs that I have, regardless of where they came from, that may not objectively be right, but are still enough for me to make a difference between two things. Well, and, 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 bring, and not to say that, hold on, not, just, not, a, just a okay. precursor to this, not to say that I think that a giraffe is a microwave and a gazelle is a car, no, no, therefore no, no, they're no, different. No. no. Just that I'm close enough, that I'm close enough relative of my understanding of the world to make that difference and to say that this is as close as I'll ever get to the form of a giraffe, close as I'll ever get to the well, form of a gazelle. In, in, in the same vein of African animals, would you, I mean, is it sort of like saying you know that a tiger in the jungle, oh, that's not an African animal. A uh, lion on the prairie. A lion on on, on the savanna. The hippopotamus. Uh, an Nostrich. equally aggressive animal. Yes. But, a flamingo. Uh, uh, sure. A lion is an aggressive animal, and sure. uh, let's say you know you're a prehistoric man living in 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 Africa. Uh, you wouldn't want to get near it because it's a territorial animal, and you you know that if you get in its territory, it's going to come kill you. You sure about that? Well, is it not necessarily pertain to your your being at that time? Well, do you know that, or do you know that only from experience from a, another man getting killed? Yeah, exactly. Going back to Zachary's point. Yes. Okay. When you're when you're talking about um, uh, uh, learned knowledge versus right. learned knowledge versus innate knowledge versus yeah. innate knowledge, right? And you're yes. talking about that person, that unfortunate being. Well, God, and, and, yes. and I'm not saying that 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 isn't learned knowledge. Uh, you know, 
Gluck Gluck may have gone into the prairie one day and got chased by a lion because he wandered too far into his territory, and then came back and said, Oh my god, guys, you really shouldn't go out there. But does he There's know- a big cat that's going to come chase you. But does he know that that chase, maybe maybe he thinks that chase is a fun thing until he finds out that a friend has been killed. Well, here's the problem. That, 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 that comes to the same issue as if the tree falls in the forest. If Gluck Gluck gets killed and nobody knows about it, they just say, well... Where did Gluck Gluck go? He like he he never came back to, to should, the village. I should mention this is Don't the first... stop me. Oh, sorry. Uh, he, he never came back to the village, and I mean, no nobody's gonna go wandering. Well, somebody may, but hypothetically speaking, if nobody goes wandering into the lion's den, they're not going to find. Not to mention, have the capacity to identify Gluck Gluck's bones. Um. Okay, but anyway, so Gluck. I mean, yeah, Gluck Gluck falls into the forest, but. I've always thought... No, 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 no. The tree falls in the forest. Gluck Gluck gets eaten by a lion and nobody knows about it. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Anyway. If somebody falls into a forest or if somebody gets eaten by a lion, it doesn't really matter. What I'm trying to get at or thinking of is is this. There's a lot of these plays on whether you perceive knowledge or whether a certain facet of knowledge, an event, is perceivable at all. So it sort of gets back to my point in the sense that knowledge is only relative insofar as it helps us, insofar as that it's useful in that... If I, if if it's impossible for me in any shape or way for in any in any possible environment or world, sorry, for me to 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 perceive the fact that Gluck Gluck has been eaten by a lion or a tree has fallen in a forest, if it's impossible for me to perceive that, why is that piece of knowledge being then used against me and saying that I do not have any knowledge of it? I I never said that it was. I'm saying hypothetically it could have been a concept. It, I'm not saying the people in the village said, "Oh, Gluck Gluck disappeared." Oh, he might have been eaten by that lion. Why? Because we know lions eat people. We could be dealing with a minuscule society that has never dealt with, you know, aggressive lions before. Which ties back to the interesting point you mentioned. How could have Gluck Gluck not known that the lion was playing with him? Well, good point. How could Gluck Gluck have known the lion was playing with him? If Gluck Gluck doesn't know anything about the lion itself, he would really have no situation or understandable perception of whether the lion was attacking or playing or was trying to perform a sexual act <laughs> or, we'll, or, or was doing anything. There so, might be a logistical so, issue here because I think I think maybe I picked this up a little bit earlier. Yes. I think Zach and I are caught up on one small thing, which mm. is not really pertaining to the argument here. Are you doubting my logic? No, 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 no. <laughs> As a matter of fact, tell me uh, if I'm right. You, 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 you'd probably be think, going down the right track. I think I think we're I think we're stuck on the idea of prehistoric man as opposed to civilized man. In well, the sense that the I, first the first like Lucy, for instance, right? The first uh, Australopithecus yeah. that existed finds a line, doesn't know what to do with a line, just because it's the first one of its kind. Well, what, what I'm perceiving right now is we're debating whether or not knowledge can be an instinct or or something that's, that's greater than an instinct. Right, right. Yes. So what I'm saying yeah. is, can we can we agree at least for this conversation to say that the idea of lines being angry I, cats? Are, I can't agree, but I know where you're going. And no, no, just <laughs> in terms of time, in terms of time span, so that we don't get caught up on. Talking yeah. about yes. the very first lion experience anybody's ever had. Yeah, yeah so let's agree. So let's. So let's otherwise, otherwise uh, I, I, I don't agree. But if you would like to redefine your concept of knowledge, I'd be more than happy. No, no, to no I just like to, I like to reframe it. So reframing it, even reframing it in a place where. Well, we, how are you reframing it? Please go on. It, in a place where lion, where somebody is born into a society, a society that's rather advanced, that that's far along in the mm-hmm. history of mankind. Okay. But so that, you, that individual doesn't necessarily has never had to come up with 
the problem of lying. So an isolate. Essentially, yes. Okay. But further down the line where we eliminate the possibility of the first of a species not knowing happen. anything. You and I in this area have never encountered the concept of poverty. That, that is true, but we can try to sympathize with We them. can, no. And all I'm just saying as is we can all, sympathize with the lion man. So I can bite. I can we bite. Should, I, think we should have the, I think we should have society say, at least, that there's, been estab- there's an established societal response to the threat of a lion. Yes, let's say that whether or not an individual knows about it, that's a different issue. I think. I think this is a good uh, place where we can talk. About, we can talk about how, how, collective knowledge at this point too, because yeah. we want to talk about whether there's certain societal norms that are established as knowledge that are established as just common fact, or if the individual knowledge trumps that collective knowledge. Well, you know the no, I I, I don't think you can you can really draw a line between the two. Take yeah, uh, sorry, again, between t- collective and individual. Yeah, okay. Take it back to the. Uh, the study they did, and anybody who actually pays attention to science might want to uh, correct me on this. There was a study they did back in, I want, I want to say, the mid-20th mid century, uh, where they had a group of chimpanzees. Uh, the chimpanzees uh, were offered a banana that was on top of a ladder. The chimp would go, try and reach the banana. The scientist would spray it with a hose. And not only would he spray it with a hose, he would spray all the chimps with a hose. And so the the chimpanzee would come down, you know, just beaten by this hose, and all the other chimps would be really angry at him that they all got, you know, beaten by this hose too. It came to this juncture where, you know, the chimp would try and get the banana, and they would come down after being, you know, everybody, everybody was sprayed, and the chimps would beat that chimp that tried to get the banana. So they removed the, the one of the chimps, that was, you know, in the first group, and replaced it with a different chimp. That chimp tried to get the banana. Before it could even do so, the other chimps beat it. They slowly removed all the other chimps. And as in doing so, the collective knowledge perpetuated that if you tried to get that banana, you were going to get yourself beaten. So we're saying... Which ultimately created a a society of, of chimps that just almost arbitrarily beat each other. So you're saying there, that there's they, a collective just... knowledge in, in there are certain norms in which we establish that we can't do certain things that are outside the boundary of they, they, our accepted knowledge? Norms can be established. I, I think the same thing can, can apply to something like academia. An academic publishes a, a theory. That theory gets critiqued and uh, further publications come from from such a theory it it instigates response and in doing so the culture from which or in which that that theory pertains develops a uh, i wouldn't say an appreciation but a conception of it in which if one were to disagree or go against it there would be significant backlash i don't I, but I, 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 I don't want to go and say, you know, specific things. That's, that's why it's difficult to manage the words, only because right. I know if, if sure. I did say specific things, Alessandro would, would, would probably, you know, hit me with something very, very hard. I'm starting to, I'm starting to understand the plight of the manager of the Howard Stern show. You can't <laughs> yeah. say that on air! Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, the, no, but I, I get what you're saying. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a tough line to cross, but it's something that needs to be, needs to be done. Done. So, and I, I'm, I'm not a sociologist, but the, the, the concept of knowledge perpetuated c- 
can be as arbitrary as knowledge obtained by an individual. But I would argue that individual knowledge is always the driver of societal knowledge. There's always going to be the individuals who rebel against that common knowledge, like there was in the 60s, and attempts to establish new locuses of knowledge. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. That, 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 that was not based on an individual, though. That was, that was based... I mean, are you referencing hippie culture? Not hippie culture, per se, but there were a lot of individual people who had their own ideas who wanted to rebel against the... Like the the old guard or the traditional guard yeah, of knowledge, and then you did, you did take, which in their own right became a society of peoples large enough to influence the the state of pop culture in America in its own right. But and then there and was well in the West, sure. But then there was a continuously uh, new set of people who continued to try to reestablish new locuses of knowledge. That's so, true, and now we have the hipsters. There is some truth to this whole idea of uh, of individuals being leaders. I, I, th- I think. Whether they whether they look to be leaders or not, they end up being faces of a certain push, a certain push mm. for common knowledge, right? So, I mean, the fact that we have these icons like Jimi Hendrix or you know bands just that you know the the whole Woodstock band idea, right? These are these, these are technically individuals, even though some these are, are small groups of individuals, but still. And I think these are the, the individuals as a whole. And human beings as a whole like to create their own centers of power and like to create their own centers of egotism. So they're willing to go out on a limb and that, that, create that, that's, new that, that's exactly the problem that, that we're coming up with because we're, we're digressing right into sociology and we're getting away from philosophy. The problem I'm having with this argument right here is that we're not talking about knowledge. We're talking about power and paradigm shifts. We're talking about right. okay. cuny well, and revolutions, well, really, in this, in, in this sense. We're not talking about you know whether... I can know something or not. What about we, we are we are talking about whether or not a person or group of peoples come to a sense of power in which they can lead such you know said group of peoples and themselves into a a new standard. That's take take right. Martin That's Luther it. King for True. example. One, one one can argue there were many prolific African American leaders before his time. And there have been many prolific African-American leaders afterwards, but he was the African-American leader that defined the social revolution. Yes, Why? That's... Because in the mid-century, the African-American population culminated to a point where they could no longer be ignored by the majority of the American populace. So, like I said, we, we are really straying from knowledge at this point. We juncture. are straying. So, let's, I... so let, let me introduce this idea, okay? Let me introduce this idea. In terms of collective and individual knowledge... Somebody says there's a fire in a theater. Okay. Does that immediate form of knowledge, that that that, that piece of knowledge that people are now cognizant of, okay, mm-hmm. whether it's true or not, doesn't necessarily matter at this point, but people eventually hear this man screaming fire in a theater. What do they do? They run. They panic. Not uh, all of them. Not all of them do. But, I mean, it could... And there are case points for that. But most, there are most, case points for that, do. but most would. Most, most would, if there was a credible if there was a credible call for a fire, okay? If somebody was so impassionate that they sold the fire idea so well, okay? I don't think... Is, you... that, is that a spread of knowledge? Is it a spread of knowledge, or is that simply mob mentality? No, is that knowledge, is there actually a fire in that theater? Or yeah, is there actually... A, is, so well, the first question is, is there actually a fire in that theater? But let's assume, let's assume for now that there is. Okay. Is the fact that somebody is spreading a, a, a objective piece of knowledge, which should be the, the theater is burning the, down. You know what? Should be instinctual also. Should, right. Should be instinctual. Yeah. Should be instinctual. However, it's the person who then has to realize whether or not the guy who was screaming fire is actually true, is actually saying it truthfully or not. And what about that? Quite, quite frankly, 
you know, in the past ten seconds in which this has happened, I'm I'm running against a wall myself on my own concepts. Yeah. Because I mean, even more recently, uh, you can take the Aurora shooting in Colorado. Mm-hmm. There were uh, people in that theater who afterwards were interviewed, and they thought it was a publicity stunt put on by. I've never heard of that. By, yeah, no, I, they, I figured, there, yeah, there were there, really? there, no, there, there were, were people yes. in the theater okay. that didn't react because they thought it was a publicity stunt put on by the studio. I I, I don't know what studio that you know, whatever, made, whatever whatever studio it was. Sure. Wait, was uh, it? Oh, so it was the, the studio that made the that, movie. that made the Batman movie? Oh, not the theater itself. Yeah. Okay. They they thought it was a publicity stunt, and they they thought it was part of a show. And so they just sort of sat there and laughed at it. And then this guy was spraying bullets and you know, killing people. Yeah. Which so, brings... I mean, it, it brings up, once again, another uh, a sociological point of, you know, being you know, deadened by violence in a society in which, you know, violence should warrant instinct. But at the same time, it, it ties exactly back to the fire in the theater. You know, let's say... Uh, I forget his name. Let's say he was an arsonist, <clears throat> and nobody saw him. But it's uh, or uh, like uh, in Inglorious Bastards. Okay, a fire is started. Everybody in the theater, instead of running, thinks, "Oh, laugh it off. It's part of the publicity. It's you know, it's big Hollywood." So somebody, so somebody's watching Titanic, and the theater starts flooding. Is exactly. It? Yeah, it's I would part also, of the show. It's just three D. That <laughs> this is. A very interesting point in that the idea of someone yelling fire in a theater and then people running is going to be something very instinctual. There's very little knowledge inherent in that because people are just reacting. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you provide this example, people start to think about, oh, is this a publicity stunt? What does it represent? All of a sudden, some of them maybe die. So perhaps this brings into the sense that when we overthink things, the idea that too much knowledge is perhaps a bad thing. But at the same time, I, I think the, the the manner in which you presented it, not to be rude, sort of collapses upon itself because if we can actually think about something that should be an instinct, I mean, if someone came bursting into this room spraying bullets, you should duck. You should. Yeah. You should I, duck. You probably don't why. think maybe I should duck. You don't think That's you should, true. I should duck, but there do. has been something ingrained in you Saying, if somebody with an AR comes into a room and starts, you know, spraying bullets, I should probably get low. Just to summarize my point, I think ultimately, if we can have a concept of knowledge, it is based on what is the greatest possible outcome of a consequence. Okay. Alright, so it seems like you're falling back to to what exactly we're sort of getting at. The idea of reasoning through an issue. Yeah, you can. And and what I'm saying is, is I'm... I am falling back on on my initial argument, yeah. almost because of the, the the Aurora shooting, that instinct can be knowledge. Right? But you I see, don't think instinct has anything inherent in reasoning. There, instinct yeah. is simply if someone throws a ball at me or somebody shoots a gun at me, I'm going to try to catch that ball and move out of the way. I'm not going to think, oh, there's a ball coming at me. I probably should move, or I should probably catch it. No, it's simply here's my reaction. No, right. and, 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 at the same time, I, I think it can be boiled down to something different. Perhaps a ball was never thrown at you. Perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, according to our favorite early 21st century movie, Dodgeball, a wrench was thrown at you yeah. as a child. And if you do, you know, if you are struck by it and manage to live another day... When you are four and five and six and seven all the way you know, throughout your life... When an object comes hurtling towards you, 
you're probably going to want to duck from it. But I, I would argue, and there have been other cases of this, if something is thrown at you, you don't necessarily know whether or not to duck from it. It's, it's, some, it's like touching a hot stove. Yeah. You touch a hot stove and you say, oh my god, I'm never going to do that again. Why? Because it hurt. Your bodily reaction elicited pain, and you said, I never, ever, 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 ever want to deal with that again. Right. So point being, for me, it seems absolutely apparent that instinct can be inbred within a person from experience or knowledge that is passed on by those with which they have interaction. So you're it saying that be. a knowledge fact can become instinct if done in a certain way. But it's still instinct, though. It's still instinct. It doesn't. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean that it is knowledge, even if it comes from knowledge. No, no, I, I totally think it's instinct. I mean, because even let's let's bring it back to the lion. Let's say Gluck Gluck, you know, is killed by the lion, and or is, Gluck Gluck, oh, or Gluck, Gluck, Gluck is getting eaten by lions. All that. Gluck Gluck was out, and his friend wasn't even hunting with him. His his friend from the same village, yeah. was just kicking it with him. Why? Because. Nobody knows. Maybe he, he has was. some bonoboic, you know, interest for Gluck Gluck or not. He's just with Gluck Gluck. There is another dude with Gluck Gluck, and Gluck Gluck gets killed by the lion. This other guy that doesn't get killed by the lion goes back to the village and says, Guys, don't go near this lion. It's gonna kill you. And they say, Well, can we go towards other lions? And then Gak Gak. Decides to go towards the other lions, and he gets killed. And they say, whoa, we can't go towards those lions either. And it looks like that lion over there and that lion over there are really the same species of lion, even though they're different lions. All of a sudden, congratulations, we have science. Congratulations, we have science, but we also have the problem of induction. How do we you know, do. How do you know the third lion group isn't going to... We don't. We, we, nice we don't. Exactly, and and uh, and Hume does prove a, a fickle problem there, and so does the black swan for that. Does it, yeah, I mean the black swan could be the angry lion in the same the sense. The black. Oh, if you think about it, and and let's face if, it. If you as, see a hundred, if you see a hundred days in a row, somebody get eaten by a lion. How do you know the hundred first day somebody will be eaten by, or the lion will still be, sorry. or the hundred and second when the lion was adopted, or the the abandoned lion was brought up by the. Uh, I think they were American. Were they American scientists? I can't recall. I they, they were American mean. zoologists, and they release it to the wild, and they go see it again. The thing hugs them. Yeah. It introduces them to its mate. So a Nice line, though. Yeah, yeah, very nice, nice line. Right, so... Point, point being, yeah. it, it's not... Perhaps instinct is the wrong word. Perhaps instinct doesn't even exist. And maybe I'm just collapsing upon myself even further. Perhaps what we only have is knowledge. That is a big collapse. It is a big collapse. That is the biggest collapse. That's the, yeah, that's, I mean, you have an earthquake there. Yeah, quite, yeah. Um, so you're saying, so let me get this straight. So you're saying you've arrived at the, at the notion that we do have knowledge. We can have knowledge. Or we can have knowledge. We can have knowledge. We can have knowledge, the amount of knowledge that we have varies. The amount of knowledge and to the capacity in which we have it varies. Varies, okay. Precisely because... Because we can't what, really what, what we can, designate our... In, our um, the knowledge that we can have could be wrong. Like the angry lions. I think this brings in another interesting point, though, is if you say that this is knowledge, if you say that uh, knowing that a lion is going to kill you is knowledge, we should 
understand how that spawns no. other knowledge because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we have to figure out whether other no- other lions need to kill would kill us as well. Whether other wild animals will kill us as well. So how does knowledge spawn other knowledge, and how does that lead well, us? I to would think it's fields? a building block, isn't it? So I mean, you Absolutely. need bits of knowledge to understand further off. Bits and, of and, exactly. And, and what I'm saying is, even even if the knowledge that we have is wrong. Like, uh... Objectively wrong, sorry? Like, uh, no, objective... Well, I mean, that's, that, that brings up another problem in its own right that perhaps we need to address later on. Right. But let's say uh, the knowledge is objectively wrong, point being, even though knowledge we have is flawed, or knowledge that we can have is flawed, it is going to lead to skepticism from which we will have new understandings. And even if those new understandings are flawed, yeah. it is going to generate further skepticism and it will perpetuate the human condition of ultimately being a homo sapien. Are you about to make skeptics homo sapien are, you sapien. About, are you about to make skeptics like pull their hair out by saying that their contribution to being skeptics <laughs> adds to having knowledge? Because I think that's what you're almost about to say. Almost. I think that is really I, important, though. I'm probably the most skeptic, anti-skeptic ever. Sure. So, it, somebody it, give me an, an anti-skeptic. In an <laughs> academic context, skepticism and criticism is key it, to obtaining more knowledge. Yeah, actually. Absolutely so, necessary. Yeah. I would say it is. Yeah, wow. No, I, 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 I would agree, too. I would say this. We're sort of then implying that only the conceptualization of a problem of a, or of an issue then could be wrong could be right objectively doesn't matter merely implies that we think we have knowledge uh, yes ultimately I, I think from the fact that we can be skeptical about our knowledge and doubt the fact that we have knowledge I mean it's not to prove that we can't have knowledge but it's to prove that the knowledge we have can be doubted and yeah. the fact that the knowledge we have can be doubted really does elicit the, the question, can we have knowledge? Which ultimately, I would have to say is, at this juncture, from what I've seen in academia and history, no. But let's, I think we should, we should end with this. I think we can't talk about knowledge without going over something that we briefly touched over earlier. So, problem of induction. Anybody solved it yet? <laughs> I wish. You wish? I you wish. wish. Yeah. I know. I know, know, as a matter of fact, that it's been solved. Uh, no, I know no one has solved it. I've solved it. Have I've, you? I've solved the problem. Go ahead. Please, indulge us in your hubris. Yes. I might be hubris now. <laughs> um, I'll say this about the problem of induction. Whoa, what happened there? I'll tell you what happened. We ran over time. Unfortunately, we just did not have knowledge of the amount of time this podcast was taking, and so we had to cut it short. Tune in next week for part two of our conversation on knowledge as the Armchair Philosophy Podcast mulls over the possible solutions to the problem of induction. Join us on April 15th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for the exciting conclusion, only on armchairphilosophypodcast.blogspot.com.